Good evening, New Life family. It's a privilege to be able to come to you uh, again on this Wednesday evening and share what I feel that the Lord has uh, directed me to share with, with us. I would like to give honor to our pastor, and I'm very thankful for him, his family, the leaders of this church, uh, and for the opportunity to be able to uh, not only live with you, but also address you from time to time. I would like to start with the same scripture, the same verse that I used uh, about a month ago whenever I was teaching on a Wednesday evening, Kingdom Entry. Really, this, this lesson uh, tonight is the second part of that, of that uh, lesson. And so let's look at Matthew 6.33 again. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Last month, we focused on the first part of that, on the kingdom, and we spoke of kingdom entry and what it takes to enter into the kingdom. Last Sunday was a, another uh, wonderful Sunday here at New Life with pastor ministering in such a tremendous way. Whenever I think about Father's Day, um, there's many things that come to my mind. I was blessed with a wonderful father for the first 19 years of my life. When I think about mentors and people that have made such a difference in my life, I have been blessed to have so many men and so many women that have invested in me. If I had to name the top three influencers uh, in my life, I would say that that would be first my father, and then second would be Brother James Lumpkin Sr., who was who was our pastor in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and then, and then uh, Reverend Bill Patrick, who was our Christian school principal and college instructor. It was Brother Patrick that challenged us as as uh, high school students and as college students to read the book of Proverbs every day of our life. I may have mentioned this to you before, but it bears repeating. He just simply told us that add to your Bible reading whatever day of the month it is, then read that proverb. <clears throat> and so I have, I have practiced that. I have maintained that for many, many years, reading through the book of Proverbs every month. There, there are three concepts that have emerged through those years. Uh, through the book of Proverbs, and one, one of those concepts is the power of knowledge, the power of righteousness, and the power of wisdom. The power of knowledge, the power of righteousness, and the power of, of wisdom. Tonight, I want to focus on the power of righteousness, of righteousness. Now, when Pastor asked me to share um, a month ago, he, he also mentioned to me that I would be teaching uh, another lesson in the near future. And so when this lesson was planned, it was literally a month ago. And if we were to push the button on life and time and it rewind for a month, there has been a lot of change in the last, in the last month. Our country, 
even for the last few months, we've been talking about COVID. And then now with the civil unrest that, that we're dealing with, it's just simply not the same country. What I believe is, is I believe that the battle is not between the Democrats and the Republicans. I do not believe that the battle is between the liberals and the conservatives. Uh, I believe that the real battle is between the righteous and the unrighteous. I definitely believe there are unrighteous people in all of those groups that, that I have, I have mentioned. But the question really comes to us as individuals. It's easy for us to look at someone else and declare whether or not their actions are righteous or unrighteous, but, but it's another thing to look in the mirror. And so what I have to ask myself in these days is this, are my personal actions righteous or are they unrighteous? Are my words righteous or are they unrighteous? Are my social media posts righteous or unrighteous? When we bear down on this and when we look at it scripturally and we dig in deeper to the word righteous, we realize that, that it speaks of being just and lawful. It speaks of being just in government, just in one's cause, just in conduct, just in character. It's speaking of being justified or vindicated by God. Are we correct? Are we lawful? This is what righteous is, uh, righteousness is speaking of. In other words, can, can my words, can my action, can they be justified by God? Can I be vindicated? What I say, how I act, how I react, can that be vindicated by God? So we're speaking of, of righteousness. We're speaking the power of righteousness. I believe that putting those two words together are very fitting because righteousness brings a level of power to our lives. I wish people really understood some of these, some of these power words like righteousness, holiness, consecration, separation, conviction, um, submission. These, these seem to be words that, that, that many people are repelled by. You start talking about that, some people draw back. If we understood the power of it, we would not lean back from it. We would embrace it even more. True righteousness eliminates walls that, that hinder our, uh, that hinder us from living in a powerful manner. Literally, unrighteousness is a trap. It's a ditch. There's an old saying that we hear, take the high road, take the high road in, in the situation. And the high road is the righteous road. The high road is doing what's right, doing what's righteous. Now, it's one thing to do what's right whenever it doesn't cost us anything. It's another thing to do what's right when it's not popular, when it's not easy, when it's not desirable, and when it will cost you. Because I promise you, many of you already know this, to do what's right 
at times in our life will be costly. It'll cost you. It'll, it'll cost you popular opinion. It will cost you some relationships. Um, I'm not, I, I hate that. And I'm not trying to come across, you know, like a black cloud in your living room or wherever you're watching this, but it's just the truth of the matter. Righteousness cost. I have, I have said many times that I understand that blood is thicker than water. That's okay. It's okay that blood is thicker than water as long as it never becomes thicker than right. It's, it's not who, it's what. It's, it's not who is saying it. It's what are they saying? Is it right? And so when we speak about the power of righteousness, we have to understand that yes, it's powerful and yes, it's costly but we must be righteous. I just want to share a few points with you um, this evening in this Bible study about the power of righteousness. Number one, righteousness empowers boldness. One of the most insightful scriptures that I've used many times on this point is Proverbs 21 and 8. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Genesis 3, 8 through 10. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. The, the unrighteous have been running ever since the garden. Uh, they started running in the garden and they've, and they've not stopped running. The unrighteous are always having to look over their shoulder, always wondering, uh, never truly at peace. I was reading a few weeks ago about an article. I was reading an article and it, and it talked about, uh, they gave highlights of how you can study if someone is lying. Ten signs that someone is lying to you. Number one, their voice can change. Um, they can be trying to be still, and it's hard for them to be still. Their bodily expressions may not match what's being said. It's kind of like they can just be out of sync with, with how their body is reacting and then what they are saying. Their language can literally change. The direction of their eyes can be different. They can cover their mouth or their, their eyes. They may use unusual gestures. They may take a, a hard line pause on issues. They may improvise with details. They, they may point their, their fingers. There's all kinds of, of things that we can watch for and we can see when, when someone is lying. There's a reason why the polygraph test uh, has a lot of merit, because there's something in us that, that flows well out of us if we're telling the truth, if we're being righteous. We, we can be bold. When, when we are righteous, then we can live with nothing to cover, nothing to hide. There's no secret accounts. We can live boldly. 
But unrighteousness causes serious inner damage. Life is very stressful, but, but you add unrighteousness and the stress is greatly increased. People literally die from the long-term effects of unrighteousness. Unrighteousness can add a lot of stress to our life, and stress is a killer. When we, when we allow unrighteousness in our life, when we allow sin in our life, what it can do to us, when we allow greed in our life, what it can do to us, when we allow envy, on and on we can go. It's unrighteousness, and unrighteousness can cost us. It will cost us. Proverbs eleven four through 6, Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. So we see the power of righteousness And we see that it literally empowers boldness. When you're living righteously, you can be bold. Nothing to hide. Nothing to run from. But when we live unrighteously, it's like something within us just gets off kelter and we just can't seem to to flow in life the way that we should. Second point I'd like to bring you is righteousness brings direction and protection. So the reason why I said earlier in this lesson that if we understood this, we would, we would embrace it. Proverbs 2 and 7. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. In other words, he gives direction and he shields us or protects us. The third point about righteousness is righteousness has eternal benefits. Proverbs 10, 2 and 3. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. The Lord will not suffer the soul, the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. My fourth point as we move on is righteousness is a filter for our ever powerful words. Righteousness. Righteousness should be a filter for what, for what we say. Proverbs 10, 32. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. You know, death and life are in the power of the tongue. We, we understand that, and, and many relationships have been destroyed with the tongue. I have to admit to you that for the last several months, uh, even long before the civil unrest erupted, I even, I even made, I mentioned this to my brother Brian. We, we talk a lot. He's a pastor in Conway, a great, great man of God. I've said this to Melanie. I've said this to uh, Braden, talking to him while, he was, while he's been in Europe. But I've talked about the concern I've had at the level of anger coming out of leaders of our country of their mouth. Uh, I've been very concerned about it because I kept saying, you cannot continue to talk with this much anger and it not, and it not erupt into a, a major problem. We've seen it. It would be, it would be very nice for, 
for every leader to clean up their words, starting from the Oval Office all the way down to any other office because righteousness is a filter for our words. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. And there's a lot of death that is spewing through our country now. The fifth point is righteousness is the key factor in the prominence of a nation in this world. Righteousness. You say, well, how old-fashioned is that? Well, it's as old-fashioned as, as the Word of God. It's, it's very old-fashioned, and it's very right. Proverbs 14.34, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. This is the major concern that I have right now about, about America. There is just so much unrighteousness, and we know that the Word of God says that righteousness exalteth a nation. Righteousness will lift a nation. Unrighteousness will destroy a nation. I believe that, that we cannot even imagine what would happen in our country if we would focus on being righteous. Sounds simple, doesn't it? The answer is simple. The, the answer is not hard. The answer is, is righteousness, but there is so much moving against that right now. But if you look in the Word of God, His Word says, righteousness exalteth the nation. So that means that any nation that will set itself for righteousness will be exalted. And there's plenty of scriptures in the Bible that explains what God can do for a nation. Let's look at Exodus 23, 27 through 30. I will send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. I will make all thine enemies turn their backs on thee. This is literally God speaking to his people about what he would do. I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the uh, uh, Havite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. So now we, we understand putting electric collars on dogs um, or, or putting up, you know, these electric fences to keep, to keep animals, you know, at the point that we want them. But do you realize that God had the ability to put electric collars on hornets? On hornets. That's what he did. That's what he did for his people. He said, what I'm going to do is, is I am going to send in hornets and I'm only going to let them go so far. I'm going to drive them out just so far to be able to place this in a, in a manner that you'll be able to come in, take over the land, and then whenever you get that part of the land conquered, settled, then I will let them drive the enemy out even further. This is what God did for his people when they were righteous. Judges 5, 20, 21, they fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. We're talking here about the original Star Wars. 
that literally God needed um, nations dispelled, uh, needed, needed them defeated, and, and he just did it himself. Verse 21 even speaks of a river that he used to wash them away. So I say again, we cannot even imagine what God would do for us. Can't even imagine what God would do for us as a country if we would just turn to him and seek after righteousness. What would he do? We have no idea what all he would do. He has no limitation. He could settle anything if, if we would do Second Chronicles 7, 14, and, and we would humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways, then, then he would do in our land what only he can do. This is what I'm speaking of about the power of righteousness. My sixth point in this lesson is righteousness is of greater value than riches. Righteousness is of greater value than riches. Proverbs 16 and 8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. I would say that that today in America that our value system is, is all messed up. It's literally upside down for many people. And the fact is really simple that it would be better to be poor and righteous than wealthy and unrighteous. It's hard to grasp these kinds of things. In this day and time, it, it is a, it is a, is a battle to, to get our priorities right and understand that our, our first, our first pursuit should be God. It should be the King. King Jesus. It could be the kingdom, kingdom principles. That's the priority. And from that, the rest of life would, would flow out. If we get that right, then, then it's amazing what happens in our life. But when we get it wrong, um, it's, it's a major problem. There are a lot of people that they are only one decision away from changing their life, and that is to make the decision to pursue righteousness. Our seventh point, righteousness and the power of the name are connected. Righteousness and the power of the name. Proverbs 18 and 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. I cannot explain exceptions, but I know what the rule is. And the rule is there can be a significant difference in the outcome of the righteous and the unrighteous invoking the name of Jesus. There can be a major difference in a righteous person praying for you and an unrighteous person praying for you. There is a definite God connection in righteousness and the name. Righteousness and the name. Righteousness and his name. 
The name is a strong tower, but it's clear that it is the righteous that runneth in and are saved. And there is safety in righteousness. So much safety in righteousness. Being righteous puts us under an umbrella of protection. Are you saying that, that nothing bad can ever touch us? No, I'm, I am not saying that because we live in a fallen world. There's, there's fallen people. We are fallen people. I, I understand all of that. But the difference in the path of righteousness and unrighteousness, it's two different worlds, two totally different worlds. Now, there are people that literally mock righteousness. You stand up for what's right, you'll be made fun of. Some of you are going through, through things on your job that the reason why that people are putting pressure on you is because you stand for righteousness. I mean, even if you're not being loud about it, even if you're not being in people's face about it, even if you're not condemning people, just the fact that you seek to live righteously, even if it's quietly living righteously, just that fact, you're going to draw fire. The reason why we will draw fire is because we live in an unrighteous world that literally mocks righteousness. And so the question is, do we want the power of righteousness? Will, will we stand up in this unrighteous world and pay the price for righteousness? I don't know what it's going to cost us. A good, a good place to start is individually and then letting that flow out to, to our family, the, the people that we live with. And, and then as we can in our neighborhood, in our local church, however we can, because we know that there is power in righteousness because the word of God is so very clear on it. Example after example, God fighting for his, his people, God fighting for individuals, God empowering men like, uh, like Noah to stand up in the middle of an unrighteous um, uh, land. I mean, I can't even imagine the pressure that, that Noah was under to be building a boat, being mocked daily, because there's going to be a flood come that has, that has never happened before. Fast forward that. Here we are in the year 2020, and we're talking about a catching away. We're talking about the rapture of the church. We're, we're talking about the only way that we will be able to be caught away is to be righteous to be born again, to have his righteousness in us. That's going to be a deciding factor. There are people that, that look at us like we're crazy when we talk about disappearing. That one day, with, without any warning whatsoever, that this will happen. It's speaking of the righteous people 
the saved people, the empowered people, the, the people that have been born again and living righteously will be caught away. They thought Noah was crazy. Believe me, they are, they are going to think that we are crazy. And so coming to the end of this lesson, the question would be, how hungry are we for righteousness? How hungry are we for it? I told this story, I've, I've told it so many times, I don't know whether I have used it preaching or teaching here already or not, but it, it bears re, uh, repeating even if it's the second time some of you've heard it. A friend of mine told me of his friend. So it's my friend talking about his friend that was talking to him. So do we have this third person thing straight? He said he had gone through Taco Bell and, uh, and he had ordered his food through the drive through and, and he ordered two burritos and, uh, and he just pulled around to Taco Bell into the, into the parking, uh, one of the parking areas. And, and he had one burrito up on the, up on his dashboard, the other burrito he was eating. He said he hears a knock at his window. He looks up. And sees a a very uh, a very worn looking man, very dirty clothes, tattered man. And he said, "Yes, can I help you?" He said, "Sir," he said, "I am so hungry. Can I have that burrito that's on your dashboard?" And he said, "Well, absolutely." And so he rolls down the window, you know, enough, and gives him that. He had, he had pulled right up to the building. So he was at the sidewalk where they, where they have those, uh, parking curbs or stops. And, and he said that that man immediately just sat down. He said he could see him right out of his car window, tore that burrito open and just started shoving it in his mouth. He said, he said at one point, there was cheese that dripped out of that burrito and, and it fell. The cheese fell down on the dirty pavement. Very dirty. And he said, without a second thought, that man scooped that cheese up on his finger and licked it off. The man was hungry. Hungry. He was, he was so hungry that that he didn't mind knocking on the window of, of a uh, stranger's car, seeing a burrito, saying, begging, can I, can I have that burrito? Um, he was so hungry that he didn't just, you know, walk off casually around to another place. And no, he, he got it. He sat down immediately, ripped it open, and was shoving it in his mouth. And he wasn't going to let any of it, he wasn't going to lose any of it, even if it was in a, in a dirty, dirty place. It didn't matter. Why? Because he understood Matthew 5 and 6. He understood this without even knowing he understood it. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. No, he didn't understand that scripturally. When we look at him, he helps us understand this. Blessed are they which do 
hunger, and thirst after righteousness. A casual pursuit of righteousness will not work. It will not work. We have to be hungry to be righteous. We have to be thirsty to be righteous. We have to literally take righteousness and set it as our filter for everything that we do. How easy is that to be done? It's not. It's not. Righteousness will cost. But what we must understand, New Life family, is that there is power in righteousness. Power. There is strength in righteousness. There is peace in righteousness. There's boldness in in righteousness. And so my challenge to you with this simple lesson tonight is please hunger and thirst after righteousness. Please understand that at the core of this war that we're in, in the United States of America, don't, don't get so hung up on what political party. Don't get so hung up on somebody's political view. Bring it down and bring it down and get down to the very core of the issue. And the core of the issue is righteousness versus unrighteousness. And ask God by his spirit to lead you like I'm asking him to lead me in the paths of righteousness. God bless you. I trust that you have a good evening. I trust you have a great day tomorrow. But please take this word with you and pursue righteousness like you never have.